Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Red Men Weekly podcast, our show where we bring you some of the best clips from our Red Men Plus content. Usually we start on a very high, happy, positive note, but I'll be honest, this one isn't. Liverpool got beat by Brentford, but in a bit of our, let's say, a therapy session, we had the guys in to discuss the results, what went right, and mainly what went wrong down at Brentford at the weekend. Because let's be honest, um, the game was shit, the performance was shit. I would have loved an excuse, and this was as good an excuse as any, but no, diligence. Diligence for you guys. Uh, so here we are, um, yeah, talking about it. Uh, I'm joined by Dan Club, I'm joined by Steve Plunkett as well, and uh, Dan just there. Uh... Massively, yeah. I must admit, the power cut this morning felt like a blessing in disguise. It felt like the perfect reason not to do this and not to talk about the match, but yeah, you're right. We had to do it, you know, here we are. We sat in the dark, felt like the perfect like summer oh, it's mood. Act. Oh, it's properly act. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've, we're running essentially on battery power is very sort of coincides what Liverpool are doing at the minute because I said it upstairs to you really just briefly, like, you know, the results have been okay of late, but the performances still haven't been there. That was coming last night. and God, it was poor. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing. Steve said it elsewhere, but if he wants us to know where Liverpool are at, that's where we're at. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot of stuff. I want to talk, I want, I want the central focus of this show really just to be looking at our, our away form because I think it's a huge red flag for where we're at at the moment. But it's there was the plus season all over. It was, you know, when when we when it clicks, we look good. We can have spells where we're on top in a football match, where we're dominating, we're having the possession, we're causing problems for the opponents. But it never feels like we're more than a bad pass or one uncontrollable moment away from conceding the goal. It's unrecognisable from like 12 months ago to where we are. How can a team drop off that far? How can your standards slip that much? I think you're right. I think we, we've come come into the office in recent weeks and gone, oh, it's three points, isn't it? It's not always about the performance. It's about the three points, particularly the end game being a top four spot. That performance last night could have happened against Villa or against Leicester. Well, Leicester was one of those, it was a, it was a crap performance. Mm. And we got lucky, you know. Particularly, we don't score any of our goals in that game. Is how we get how we get especially lucky in that. 
but you define what type of result that was um, by the result, by the game that follows, or the game that follows that. Yeah. yeah. And so you're looking at that and go, well, it was we were we were crap, but we got away with one. In some regards, I, I like I jokingly refer to it as title winning form. Mm. When you're in good form and you and you win games either side of it, you use that as a get out of jail free card, and you go on and and, and you win the, the next game. When it turns out when you're a bit crap, mm. that actually is not. It's the opposite. You've actually have just totally dodged the bullets, and it, it, it's masking how crap you are more than anything else. Well, if you look at the performances across the three games, to have taken six points from the last nine. Um, if you're any other club but Liverpool on the back of those performances you'd be quite happy with that we've set the bar so high and the standards so high what we're seeing at the moment is borderline unacceptable in terms of what we're seeing on the pitch it, it is so just on that as well you sort of alluded to it there the way, there should have been a wake up call less than four it should have been a wake up call I think Andy Robertson referred to it as well like he said we can't perform like that it's not acceptable but then last night as well there was multiple wake up calls throughout the match like we can see a couple of disallowed goals and there's, it's just nothing's hitting home we had the World Cup break and you think oh now they can sort of rectify they can right the wrongs doesn't happen it's a bigger problem I don't know what they I genuinely am sat here with no idea what it is they did on that World Cup break you know sun themselves a bit you know and they clearly did an intense training camp to some extent because I know from from speaking to people out of Liverpool, trying to see if we could get any, you know, get get in with it. It's like no, Jürgen and Pep have said training camp is training camp, mm-hmm. so no presses. You know, I think the Echo sent Paul Gorst over, and that's that's like their chief Liverpool correspondent, and he got a couple of bits in like mix zones. He, you know, it's not like he got any any because they did they battened down the hatches, and it was and it was it was closed doors, and it was trying to get everyone rebooted, but I don't really see if nothing else. All we've really come back in is the same kind of form we ended in, mm. and that's to say improved from the the the, the very start of the season. But as you saying, by no means have we gotten anywhere close to what we've seen in the last few years. Absolutely miles off it, and it's, like I say, it's so difficult to put your finger on because there's so many problems all happening at once. It's kind of that area to pitch that area, to and we know the midfield is sort of like the crux of the issue. I think we're all very well versed in that now, but. Like you say, we kind of all looked at the World Cup as a blessing at the time when it was coming. Saying, like, even though our form did start to pick up and they were on a slightly upward trajectory, I think we all thought, "Now we need the World Cup because Jurgen Klopp, Pep Linders will get stuck into him. They'll get everything right and we'll come back a new beast, like we have done under Klopp when we've been through these spells previously." It's not happened, and I know the results, barring this one, have been okay. But look beyond that. Look beyond the three points. It's this was coming, and it's happened now. I really worry that what we've actually chosen to do in that World Cup break stay is double down on what they what they've been trying to do all season mm. long, rather than go right. We fucked it. Let's go. Let's try something different. Mm. They've gone. No, the reason this hasn't worked is because we haven't trained it enough, or we haven't put enough coaching in. Or we haven't, you know, we haven't done enough analysis or whatever. Because I say that that it feels like the same problems. And Ed, you mentioned it, like you know, can't play four three three, and you know, and again we talk about the midfield, this and that. That midfield had Fabinho and Thiago in it, and Harvey, and, and Harvey Elliott, and inevitably people will point fingers at Harvey Elliott, but. I'm sorry, but like they're, they're all good footballers. We should. It shouldn't be. You know, it shouldn't be that bad. We should be able to carry what a, what a young, talented footballer in our midfield because Thiago and Fabinho should be able to pick up the, the slack for that. Mohamed Salah's on that side as well. Should be able to pick up the, the slack for that if needs be. So it boils down to for me. It boils down to we try. It's our approach. 
you know, I think we're very keen to stress all these all these smaller points or whatever, or go, it's all to do with transfers. I just think it feels like they're being told to do the wrong things in the wrong type of game. Yeah, I agree. And it's really interesting you mentioned Harvey Elliott because if nothing else, we do love a scapegoat our fan base, don't we? And right now he's the guy who's front, front and centre for that. And that's unfair. Um, I think if you look at that midfield, you go to Brentford and you line up with that midfield straight away, you think physically Fabinho, who's looked better in recent games, yeah. will be okay on the stretch. The other two are not what you need. You know, if, yes, last night was never a better example of a crying out for a genie, Wijnaldum type character that can recycle you the ball, he's physically strong, can run for 90 minutes, you don't get the wrong side of him. But, but that's done, that's gone, he's moved on, we moved on. I think you're right, I think whatever we're doing incorrectly or wrong, it's not working. There was a time to look at it and say, we need to change it because it's, what is it, the first sign of madness to ask the same question over and over again, looking for a different answer. I think we're doing our own editing with this as well to, to some degree. I, th- I think there's one of the starting 11 decisions, I think the one that we ultimately get wrong really is, is Canate for Mata. And, and not just because he has a stinker of a game, but more it matters progression with the ball was lacking because what happened was they got loads of men behind the ball and then what what Fabinho becomes a liability in an attacking sense then because mm. you need another player then to to move and, yeah. to, and to start to, you know, to get forward to create overloads and cause them issues but that took away all of the screening for the defence <laughs> in doing so Whereas it's, and it's weird to say losing a def- potentially losing a defender is one, but the second Matip and then I've got and then Canate actually did it really well in the second half as well. But Matip just comes into midfield and it disrupts what the opposition are, are trying to do. Yeah, and that and that was again, it's mad that we need Matip to come onto the pitch to remind players to do that because mm-hmm. Canate was doing it from left centre half, but wasn't doing it from from right centre half. He really wasn't doing it from right centre half either. It was like he, it never even dawned on him that that was something that he could do. Because you're right, Joel Matip is brilliant at it. I don't think anyone sort of matches him. Even Virgil Van Dijk doesn't match him in that aspect of the game. And he becomes an attacking weapon for us because he's the extra body. Even down to as simple as that, he is an extra man. Defenders don't quite know whether to go and embrace him and deal with it or stay and deal with the pass that he might lay off. So, yeah, it's a brilliant attacking weapon for us. It's something Massive does expertly. But you're right, Canate. Like, there was times in the game where Fabinho was quite literally pointed at Canate and go on. Like, you can go over the halfway line and Canate was really reluctant to do so. Whether he was sort of scared about what happened already in the game he didn't want to get caught out I'm not sure but what he's got or Deschamps has, has had six weeks with him yeah and you don't do that for them exactly yeah. saying no this is where you are this is where you are and we're kind of you know and look I say it's, it's in hindsight because it is purely hindsight based see, because Canate can come into that game you know, he needs to come in and play a game for us at some point because he's been back, he's back, he's back training, and you don't want to run Joel Matip into the ground, and that's kind of the, the wider issue I think with our changes is Shimikas. Again, there's no real problem with Shimikas starting football matches because we've got he's a, he's a backup. That's mm-hmm. what he's there for. He's mm-hmm. there so Robbo doesn't have to play every game, and Robbo got subbed off injured in the last game with a, with a dead leg. So that's that 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 sounds. Again, we've mentioned that on on the Canate thing. Uh, we've we've got to we do have to rotate our we do have to rotate our side that's that is required but again it just I don't know it, it, there's, there's just so the whole thing's disjointed I don't know what our best 11 is at the moment mm. and, and we can't put it on the field anyway because of injuries so 
it's a bit of a the whole thing's a bit of a mess. It is, and, and Matip would have played three, four, ninety minutes, isn't eight days, and we know from history that you can't do that with Matip. Um, interesting point. And when we'll he comes. never know, by the way, that if we had just started him and then he, he picks up an injury, because you can never, you can never say. Uh, no, but it's interesting when he comes on, he makes a difference in terms of giving you another outlet, another guy with the ball. Um, they pretty much figured out what we were trying to do, because after we score the goal, we have a real purple patch and we we're asking questions, and I felt we needed another goal straight away to really deflate them and take on and win the game. You see us winning the game if we equalise. Mm. Um, bringing him on, giving him that option to run with the ball. It's a, it's a man they hadn't legislated for. It's a man they didn't tactically uh, prepare for. What they then said was, let him have the ball, we'll just shut down his options and, and we struggled a bit in that regard as well. Right then, enough of Brentford. Let's forget about that one. Bit of therapy. Let's pretend it never, ever happened. But I say that, but it did. So Liverpool might need to go and sign a player or two this month to maybe stop us getting beat at away games or at least not drawing them. Probably getting beat. They haven't won away. That's fine. They haven't won away. We need to sort it. So, who better to ask about transfers, potential incomings this month or ahead in the future? Hint in to Bellingham, hint in Mateus Nunez, than Goal.com's Neil Jones. Yet Neil comes in every single week for JNO Insights. And here's what he has to say on the midfield issues that the Reds are facing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We've just talked about them briefly. So this one, it's a relatively strange story, it feels like. So it came from um, John Pearce and Sam Wallace in The Telegraph. He said that Liverpool have made the commitment to go back in for Mateus Nunez. And as things stand, the deal will be agreed around €50 million Euros or €4 million pounds for him to join in the summer. It was in this story, they go on to say, and I'm paraphrasing here, Liverpool tried to get him in the summer or were thinking about trying... They, they, they used the term, there was a roadblock, which again, we, we, whatever that is. So then his agent got him to Wolves with like a, it almost looked like, like a, an agreement between all parties, you just can have him, but Liverpool can have him when they want him kind of thing. Is that, is that kind of piece yeah. of things together? I mean, listen, first thing to say is it's, that's, a, that's a live story. You know, those two putting their name to that, you can trust that story. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go all sort of Anfield edition do they do that with the medals do they put the, <laughs> the goal? someone does someone does that whoever that is sorry if I got you wrong there but 
I don't want to go down that green, road. red, top yeah, lights, yeah, green, yeah, that kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I think we can. That's a green, you know, in the John sense. Percy, of, John Percy's as connected as you can get. He'll, that's the Wolves angle, I yeah. imagine as well. Sam Wallace is pretty, pretty well connected as well. So I think you can. You, you know, Mendes isn't the agent. Mendes, Mendes. he's a guest a few clients. I mean, Wolves, it's sort of there. There's a little bit of an acceptance with that with Wolves' policy. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's ever happened sort of as dramatically as that. But there's an acceptance that these players are just passing through, and you know, you're not gonna sort of, you're not gonna be building statues. Maybe, maybe Ruben Neves is is a, a, a example the opposite way in that sense. But I don't think he'd like, mind the transfer at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you you know you look at Jota being a, an example. I think I think had he not injured himself terribly, I think well him and Eth probably would have moved on. Um, at that point, you know, there's others that maybe haven't even um, sort of they're not they're not fresh in the Pedro mind. Pedro Neto was on the move. Pedro, the yeah, another another player who, who's had, you know, yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does does move. I think Eight Nori's another one who, who I mean, I, I think he's a really good player, but yeah. I think he's another one that'll be prime for a move if he carries on developing. So they 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 sort of accept that, you know, if if you're going to get players dropped on you as they do. You know, your job is sort of to just make them as good as they can for the time being, and then wave them goodbye and get the next the next wave in. Um, I, I, the, I mean, Nunes is an interesting one in particular because he was linked obviously in the summer, and there was a there was a bit of you know sort of clamour for Liverpool to, to get him done. He, he ended up the problem was he, he joined Wolves so late in the window that he ended up playing for Sporting Lisbon before before the window closed. So that puts the roadblock in there in the sense of he can't play for Liverpool um, if they signed him if now, they signed him now. He, he could be registered but he couldn't play so he, he's got to stay at Wolves and I mean I, I suppose what? Wh- why does it make sense to, to sign Mateus Nunes his age um, his pedigree of his talent I think we should probably shouldn't even discuss that kind of thing when we're talking about transfers because we should take it as red they're all talented but if you know the price you know the price, and you know the players' demands and his agents, and and what what it's going to cost you. That's that's I think that's a big tick in the box really for Liverpool because it enables them to plan everything else around it. So if you know that you've got, you know, you're not going to have to go and sort of meet a release clause. We've seen with Enzo Fernandez, for example, or you know, you're not going to sort of end up in a position where it's like, wow, this has got big. You know, this this is this has really sort of got into a 60, 70 million pound, as could potentially happen with someone like Moises Casado uh, or Declan Rice. You know, if you were looking at that, you 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 don't really know what you're gonna, even Bellingham to a degree. So I think that's why it would make sense. And obviously as well, you've also given him, even if it's bad experience, and he hasn't had a great time at Wolves. You know, he played last night, should have scored last night actually, um, but he hasn't had a, he hasn't set the world alight at Wolves. He's done a, he's done sort of okay, but even that experience. Is very very valuable for him. You know, he's got twelve months of English football, twelve months of English living, twelve months of language, and whatever else that you know you can benefit from it. You know, you, if you've got a doubt about it, if you say oh, he's failed at Wolves, you know, I'd sort of use Javier Mascarano maybe as the sort of if they knew they were going anyway. The comparison, you know, like <laughs> listen, you know, let him go and sort of let him go and I don't know, make the mistakes or you know shovel shovel the you know what at West Ham and then we'll we'll have him when we can, you know. Maybe that will be the sort of the thinking behind it, but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting story. Great story from from Sam and, and John, and you know, hopefully, 
a very good player for Liverpool in the summer, but <laughs> the problem is he doesn't help them now. No, that, that's the, and that's the thing, we've always... This, we've, you get a good reception Saturday anyway, won't you? Yeah, you're, you're the thought. Do you remember when Alisson turned up with that friend yeah. in Brazil and Croatia? And he, oh, he, yeah. he got a, I, remember Virgil, I remember Virgil playing when he it was sort of clear, wasn't it? Was like, yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, remember I, I took my son to that, that game. He was like, yeah, why, why are we all that. clapping Brazil's goal? He was yeah. like, it's probably going to be our goal yeah. in a few weeks. I remember it, that. It, it, on, the, on this new thing, we've always, I think the, the general acceptance has been Bellingham, or who, they won Bellingham, we know that. Bellingham... A mid-tierish sign in terms of transfer fees, which forty-four million pound kind of is these days. It used to be our record sign. It's not now. It, it, it gets you the squad player essentially, and then maybe, like you said, the opportunist like the free sign or the little yeah, whatever, or, or, or the project player like or, the by Chet is coming through. Yeah. It, it, so it all it all adds up. But like I said, going back to it is that that's the summer. The summer is the summer. Like Liverpool. Does the, do the plans change if they're not in Champions League? Does it, how does that affect? Does Jude Bellingham want to play for Liverpool? If Liverpool are sixth in the league and, and nowhere near anything, and, and Real Madrid beat them in the in the first time they got into a knockout, that's the, that's the the here and now of it. Is that sound? That's the summer we, we can yeah. get to it. Liverpool's they, they might go. Well, look what happened with Virgil Van Dijk. It was sound. We waited and we got there and it worked out. But from a, from a there'll be supporters watching and listening to this now, and I think I'm in this boat too. It's like. Yeah, the summer's great. Don't worry about it. But like, we've got like loads of footy left between now and the summer, mm. and there's lo- like the puck still win the Champions League. If this, you know, there's, there's, there's things still to play for, and it feel it does feel like that. that we, we, yeah, we need to cross that bridge. But is that where you go back to that? The opportunistic free or whatever it is, is that that they you could do that one in January because they're going to need three probably. They're going to lose three, so they're going to need to replace all of them. Maybe if you are from Eller, I know you wrote he's he's not going to be hanging around. So there's there's Milner, Chamberlain. Cater, Mello out of squads. I mean, we'll see how that Milner probably stays. Who knows? But yeah. either way, there's a lot to replace. So January could be the one where you go actually the, the body, and I mean that that sounds very disrespectful yeah. to whoever it is comes in the squad player. Yeah, and then the other two come in the summer. It might, it might. I don't think it would have anyone jumping for joy for per se, but that might be the route we're heading towards. Yeah, it could be, or I mean, it could be, and it won't go down well. But it could be the one where you you sort of look and go, well, do you know what? No one's injured at the moment, really, in midfield. You know, I, the options are there now. Really, I mean, Henderson's got concussion. Milner's coming back, but Fabinho's available. Cater's available. Thiago's available. Ox is available, even though it looks a little bit like he's been moved he's up a line, doesn't he? Curtis <laughs> is is coming back. Maybe he's, maybe he's in midfield uh, when Gapo comes in. Ox is in yeah, midfield, possibly. Yeah, and then you know Arthur could could be back by I think this month. So, I mean, I listen. I that's not something I buy into in the sense of like it's all right. Like they're all fit. You know, I think even when they're all fit, to be honest, I think there's there's still quality issues right? a, a, an issue of reliability and, 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 and suitability really of, of how Liverpool are playing because we've seen I mean I, I, in the piece you mentioned earlier it was sort of a bit of a defence of Harvey Elliott really because he seems to be the lightning rod for criticism and I sort of said this week I said on a show that it's almost the worst thing you can be at the moment is available you know the way Liverpool is because people are sick of you. You know people like Milner's had it for years, really, where it's like oh, Milner again. Somebody's available. You know he's playing because he's, others are injured. Harvey Elliott's played every game this season or featured in every game this season, twenty six games, because he's been available. And you know now it's like we're well, sick of him now. You know you know because he's he's small and it's yeah, but <laughs> they haven't you know they haven't had the opportunity to to, to sort of. Often enough to play their, their their best players, and even when they have, some of the best players haven't been playing particularly well either. You know, I, I thought you know, Fabinho's had a real struggle this season. Jordan Henderson had an absolute nightmare against Leicester. I thought Thiago had an absolute nightmare against Villa. So it's not like you know, Van Dijk and Brentford. Yeah, Van Dijk. You know, I thought Salah was dreadful at Brentford. You know, so there's 
these issues are sort of that they're all they're always there really, and it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter who plays in midfield. There's sort of there's something wrong somewhere in the team, and you know there's a, there's a finger being pointed. But the the the, um, the point I made really is sort of just how unsuitable Liverpool or how lacking in certainty Liverpool look in the way that they're playing. You know, they, they almost don't have a sort of a the fallback of just you know what. We're not playing well here today, but God, we're going to be hard to play against. They actually look, they actually look pretty easy to play against, you know. Yeah. And if you think back to that first sort of hour at Fulham on the first first weekend of the season, and that's sort of been the blueprint for for teams, hasn't it? You know, get right into them, get amongst them, put them on the backside, you know, in in the midfield, counter attack on them, and they can't run, and they can't, you know, the head, <laughs> you know, you can bully them a little bit, and you can sort of you'll get chances in the game and every team that's played against Liverpool really bar, with the exception of Bournemouth you know they've had chances against them and there's, there's yeah. been moments where you've thought oh god that was a big save or that you know I'm glad he didn't control that one or you know that 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 was a if he'd played the ball right there that was they were in so that it's so consistent isn't it and you you look at you know on the again there's a lot of half empty half full sort of conundrums in it I've got you know if you want a half full all the games that they've lost this season at some point they've been right in the game and you've thought come on go and win it Forest you know Leeds 1-1 Arsenal get back twice to 2-2 Manchester United you know they were they were 2-1 and I, if they'd have scored earlier in the game you'd have thought actually United were, were, were weak there you know maybe, all right, Napoli we'll take Napoli out of the equation as well barring really you know I can't not many games that you've thought they never had a chance of winning. And on game. the flip side, even the ones they won, they've let to go in first. Yeah, they, they, they exactly. Finished. So all the games have sort of been semi in the balance, haven't they? Apart from you know they've, they've dished out a couple of beatings, haven't they, to, to Rangers and, and and Bournemouth? But exactly. So it's fine margins and the the, the the sort of the certainty that you know when those when those games were in the balance over the last sort of four years, more often than not they've won them. And and you've you know. You don't really, you know, you might do it on the Monday after the game. You might have, you know, a post-match sort of podcast or whatever, and you'd say, do you know what, we were great there. But over the course of the season, they just become sort of legends, you know, that yeah, Liverpool won, went to Villa won, went to Southampton won, went to Crystal Palace won. Now it's like, they might lose this, you know, even at home sometime, you know, even a 2-1 against Leicester on Friday. I wouldn't have been surprised at all if Leicester had equalised. In the past, I would have been saying, that's not going to happen. And even if they do, they'll probably, Liverpool will probably get a third. You know, I remember the Leeds defeat. I think Jürgen said, I think he, I think he said even at one-one, it felt like the crowd thought there was a, a twist coming at the at the wrong end, and it did. And that just hasn't that hasn't been the case for 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 a long time. So it is it is worrying that that's you know not, Liverpool are now mere mortals as opposed <laughs> to this sort of super team that you know. I, I wrote a piece earlier in the week on, on my, my personal page where I said the amount I, I, I can I can name the, the I remember them vividly. I remember the journalists sort of looking at me and saying, "Oh, you know, like we're getting back to one-one at Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, where they're going to me. Oh, you know, they're giving you a right good game here, aren't they? Our boys." And you sort of think, "I'm not worried. You know, I'm not worried." I remember Southampton last season, second to last game of the season. The team news drops and the whole world goes, oh my God, Liverpool have tossed it off. I was like, no, they haven't. They'll win. They'll win tonight. I remember them playing. I remember them playing Shrewsbury with with the kids in the cup yeah. and telling everyone they'll win today. They'll win. They, don't you worry about them. They will win. You can't. I don't think you can say that with any certainty now. Even to the point of this this game on the weekend, I don't think you can go into it and say they'll be fine. 
you're sort of waiting to see and, and even when they get into a position where it's 1-0 or 1-1 you're still thinking oh there might be just a little sting in the tail and that's what they've got to fix more than as much as the the, the personnel they've got to fix the, the way that they're playing and the sort of the, con, the control and the, the, the certainty that they're playing with that is sort of priority number one maybe it is personnel that will help fix that but first and foremost start playing I was about to say there's, there's no one sign. I mean, one it can one sign. It can just transform your team, but there isn't really. I don't think, given what we what we've been saying, like the opportunistic or the, the the whatever sign. I can't think of anyone who's just going to wander in and just make no. that all better. It's on everyone to do it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I suppose as well the fact that it's the midfield makes it hard. You know, listen, if it, Virgil Van Dijk can do that, can't he? Because you, you know you're not you're not dominant enough defensively, and you're not winning your headers, and you, you sort of you've got no leader and, and and voice back there. And Virgil van Dijk comes in and he's that, yeah, okay. Luis Diaz, yeah, you bring in a player who's right in form and is direct and plays, you know, is a match winner. Yeah, of course that does it. Maybe Gakpo might prove to be it. And, and listen, another thing that I think does get lost in amongst all the analysis, by including by people like me, is just the difference it makes scoring the first goal in a game. And maybe Gakpo becomes that man, the Jota. To, the Jota kind of yeah. sign. How many times did Jota last season? You know, you might start the game and be like, "Oh God, Burnley having a good go here." One 0 Jota, and the game just changes completely. Villa, you look at that, get the first goal, makes such a difference, doesn't it? You know, even that means that even when Villa have their spell, you still you still head of the game. If Liverpool score first at Brentford, I think probably they go on and win the game. You'd hope they would. Maybe Gakpo becomes that player that just. The first chance that, that comes in the game, it gets taken, and Liverpool, Liverpool just feel a little bit more secure. I mean, that seems to be his strength. Whatever you know, what I've what I've seen of him, but what I've spoken to people about, I spoke to his personal coach, and he, I said, "What was his? What's his, the first thing that you say you don't need to touch?" And he said, "His finishing, his fine, his, his finishing, or his last last action is just that's fine. That's all taken care of. What they've worked on is." Everything around that, in terms of you know positional play, where to be on the pitch, understanding, awareness. So, you know, we're talking about one player might not be able to transform this team. Maybe he, maybe well, he I can understand. make a big the difference. T- I mean, he's going to need to. Yeah, yeah, you know that, but that's why you spend that money on, on a player, isn't it? You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be inviting a player in a, you know, forty-four million pounds or fifty million euros and saying, no, come on, we'll, we'll dip him in and out. When you're in this position, it should be no. He goes in and, and let's see if he swims, and hopefully he does. And like I say, if he can, if he can do, you know, sort of what Diaz did in terms of just just carrying on his form and just bringing a bit of positivity and you know energy to, to proceedings, it can have a knock-on effect in the sense of you know you, you just you got a bit more certainty. You can play the ball a bit earlier. You know you can sort of you can work around the front three a little bit more. Um, it's not a criticism of Oxley Chamberlain, but he's not a natural fit on the left hand side of, of the team. I thought he had a decent enough game at Brentford, but he's not you're not looking at that that Liverpool have got a front three really. I I don't think. I think you're looking at it, you've got two plus Ox and Ox is sort of doing a job. Whereas at least if you're playing Gakpo, Nunes, Salah or Firmino, you're looking and saying, Right, Liverpool have got three potential sort of match winners there on the pitch and 
that can only help. Right then, there you go. That is Neil on Liverpool's midfield. Matthias Nunes, Jude Bellingham and all that kind of stuff. That is one of our favourite shows that we do each and every week. It's one of our most received and best received shows as well. So yeah, do go and check that one out over on Redmen Plus if and when you get the chance to do so. Neil will be back next week with even more Jano insight. Um, speaking of uh, insight then, we've got a brand new show debuting this week it is the deep dive it is the stat man himself mr chris pager and another amazing analytical mind in josh williams at distance covered on twitter if you know josh's work yeah tune in to a clip from the very first episode of the deep dive josh you've come up with the subject for this one today mate uh, we're going to be looking at darwin nunez and his finishing yeah well as you say mate it's a it's a bit it's a new series so i thought what talking point can we address that's like really prominent at the minute and real easy to address when it comes to statistics and numbers and stuff. So I thought Nunes, especially since the World Cup, been criticised for his finishing, um, putting the ball on the back of the net and all that sort of stuff. And it's a really easy topic to address using the poster boy analytics method, really, which is expected goals. You know, that's kind of like the flagship metric. Um, and I think it can, it can provide a bit of insight into Nunes' game so far and maybe how we should judge him based on what we're seeing mm-hmm. and, how, and how we can almost challenge our own opinions on it. So I think, you know, Josh, for, for anybody who's a, a new listener or a new watcher, we've done a lot on expected goals, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. There might be people listening or watching this right now that don't know what expected goals is. Can you break down in layman's terms for them what expected goals is? Yeah, well, it's. I don't think the name helps particularly. I think it's a bit of a confusing name sometimes in terms of what it actually does, but all there is really is a performance indicator. Um, and it basically attains a probability to every shot based on the likelihood of that shot finding the net based on historical outcomes. So the best way of putting that is, say, for example, a penalty. Yeah. Every penalty, according to a, virtually every expected goals model, will be valued as 0.76 XG, and that's because roughly 76% of penalties are scored. Um, same for a shot from 30 yards out, maybe. That'll be valued about 0.01 xg, 0.02 xg, and that's because about one percent, two percent of those shots are scored. You know, one in every hundred or so. And over time, if you add all those shots together, say for example in one match, you'll get a rough gauge of how much how much goals Liverpool's shots have been worth on a normal day in terms of finishing, um, and it provides a bit of insight into look. Um, and skill when it comes to actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, so I think one of the things that always gets asked to me whenever we're discussing XG is what and, and it's what the model entails. So, for example, let's say somebody is taking a shot from the corner of the six-yard box. Now, you might be comparing that for someone on a left-footer to a right-footer. Now, does the model include left-footers and right-footers and people on the wrong foot, or is it lumped all in because it's just too impossible to do? No, well, the answer to that is every model is different, and this is another confusing element of expected goals. Not every single model is the same. So sometimes Liverpool will play Brentford and have an XG of 1.6. Sometimes they'll play Brentford and have an XG of 2.1. For the same game? For the same game, and, and based on the same shots. And that's because different models incorporate different things, and certain models are more sophisticated than others. Um, your so basic... goalkeeper positioning could be utilised in some models. Yeah. Defenders between the the shot taker and the goal could be utilised yeah. in some models and not all models. Yeah, most models though will focus primarily on the location of the shot. Where was the shot taken? That's the big one. 
And on top of that, you just mentioned left and right foot as a, as a thing. Not so much that, but in terms of headed shots, yeah. that's a differentiator in terms of like generally headers going less than shots taken with your feet. So that 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 that's, that sort of thing is considered by most models. But generally, you've got models down here that are basic and that the, the average man on well, not the average man on the street can make, but you know your basic hobbyist can make. And then you've got the real expert ones that like the likes of Ops and Statsbomb will produce. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what have you found by studying Nunes' XG then? Well, before we get to Nunes, I wanted to touch on the best player ever, in my opinion. Who is the best player ever, in your opinion, Chris, apart from Divock League? Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi, I would agree. Right. I'm so, so glad this would have got off to a really bad start <laughs> if you'd have said Ronaldo. No, no, like, no. It would have been, it would have been absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible if you'd have said Ronaldo then. <laughs> no, thankfully not. Um, Messi, would, I would agree with you. Um, so if we use Messi as the gold standard. Luckily for us, Messi is a great finisher. Um, and we've got data going back to about 2017. 2017-18 is where we're going to go from. The year Liverpool signed Mo Salah, Mo Salah's first season at Liverpool. Uh, and since then, in La Liga, Messi's taken 848 shots in, in League One as well, because he's, he's at PSG now, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Of those 848 shots, they've been worth about 95.8 expected goals. So in a normal world, the average player would put about 86 goals in the net from those shots if, it, if the finishing was to a normal standard. Messi scored 124, so that means he's overperformed the average by 28.2 goals. That's a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> um, he's consistently done it over five years. He maybe yeah. not had a season where he's dipped under what he's expected. That's incredible over a five years. Yeah. Now, you can see these sort of um, overachieving XG on a season-by-season -season basis quite often, can't you? But then it returns almost to the norm sometimes with normal players. But with Messi, what you're saying is for five years, he's actually overachieved. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and if we do it across his career, it's probably the same. You know, we've, we've just got five years of data there. But Now, here's the question for you, and here's one I always think with XG. Is it fair to compare Messi to others? Well, this is the thing. When, when it comes to expected goals, it just looks at the average. Like, a, a lot of questions will be, about expected goals are kind of like, yeah, but does it consider that Harry Kane's taking the shot? Well, no, because the idea is it's based on the average and you judge things based on the average and then any performance above the average just kind of captures either luck or skill, really. Um, <laughs> and, and Messi is obviously both, yeah, both, I suppose. <laughs> but generally, though, when it comes to that sort of thing, you'd be a bit wary when it comes to saying, oh, yeah, he's a great finisher because usually you haven't got enough data behind it. Obviously, when it comes to Messi, 848 shots is a lot. 124 goals is a lot. Solid sample size. It's fair to say he is a great finisher. Um, and there's not you the... learned something new today then, everybody. Well, Messi is go, a great yeah. finisher. Why wouldn't you tune yeah, why, into this? Why need numbers, eh? You don't need numbers, <laughs> do you? Um, and there's, there's not that many players that we can confidently say they are comfortably above average when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. Harry Kane is one of them. Uh, Son Heung-min is one of them as well, both playing for Spurs, luckily for them. Uh, Kane's overperformed over the same period by 15.9 goals. Son has overperformed over the same period by 23.6 goals. Um, so this is generally a basic insight into these are the players who are really good at finishing based on expected goals in comparison to the average player. Um, 
another player who I wanted to use as, as my next example, following on from Messi, is Robert Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask the man on the streets, most people would say he's a he's a clinical finisher, you know, he's deadly in the box. I would mostly agree with that. Um but what I want to touch on is the season Liverpool won the Champions League, he weirdly underperformed expected goals by eight point four goals, eight point five goals, sorry, um in the Bundesliga. Now, that was a bit of an anomaly, just kind of happened. The following season it wasn't the same. Season before it wasn't the same. Hasn't really been the same since. But it just happened. Whether that's due to randomness, luck, uh, top goalkeeping, a dance downturn in form from his perspective could be anything. But he underperformed. And one of the reason that I mentioned that is because if we were to judge Lewandowski based on that season in isolation, we'd maybe suggest he's wasteful. When in reality we know he's not. We know he's clinical. And that's the that's the um that's the downside, that's the difficulty with judging this sort of thing, the concept of finishing based on a really small sample size. And that's kind of what we're doing with Nunes really. It's far too early to say that he's wasteful or, you know, not particularly clinical. Um based on nine or ten starts in the Premier League. Exactly, yeah. And based on, you know, less than a hundred shots so far. Um now, with Lewandowski, it could be that he was sleeping on the wrong leg because that's something that he does, isn't it? Have you heard all this? Which? Lewandowski only sleeps on one side, so he doesn't sleep on the leg that he shoots with. <laughs> now, that, no. Honestly, he's got some mad shit, like, and his wife hates him for it. And honestly, he does all kinds of weird shit like that. Um, so it, it might have been the season that he slept on his right leg. That could literally be it. Honestly, I'm telling you, this is just the type of fucking weird shit that I know. I've got no idea why I know it, but I've heard him talking about it where he's like, no, I have to sleep on the on the left leg. I've never heard that one. Like That's a, that's an interesting superstition, that one. I remember Sturridge used to walk on the pitch backwards, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, like that. Everyone's, everyone's got their own little weird quirk, but I mean, it's working for him. You know, he's had a decent career, hasn't he? Absolutely. So, all right, so what you're saying is the principle of this, I suppose, now is we've got too small a sample size. If you looked at his entire career, then I take it. Yeah, if you look at his entire career, he does overperform. Not by as much as you might think, but he does generally slightly overperform. He's not anywhere near the level of finisher as Messi, Kane or Son, but he is a decent finisher. Um, but the reason I highlight his his one-off season is is just to capture how fickle finishing is as a skill. And it's difficult to repeat. It, you know, it's sometimes you're, you're completely unpressurised, sometimes you're not. Um, Sometimes luck plays its part and you might hit the post or it might bounce off someone's knee. Sometimes confidence can play a part. Yeah, I was thinking form must yeah, be the yeah. biggest deciding factor. Everyone has good spells of form and bad spells of form. It's consistency which makes the great players great. Right then, there you go. There are Chris and Josh doing their thing. Yeah, that was the first ever show. And yeah, there's plenty more to come over the next few weeks with two really great analytical minds. Stats, figures, tactics, and all that kind of stuff got you covered over on the Deep Dive that is available on Red Men Plus. Like all the content that you've heard today is available on Red Men Plus in video and podcast format. So you can watch it or you can get it directly into your podcasting app. Just go over to redmenplus.com and sign up and get it. If you are only interested in getting it as a podcast and you listen to Spotify and you love Spotify, you listen 
listening to this on Spotify right now. If you search for Red Men Plus podcast on the Spotify app, you can sign up through them as well. Now, you won't get access to the video content, but you will get the latest Red Men Plus podcast directly into your Spotify feed as well. So, yeah, redmenplus.com or Spotify search for Red Men Plus podcast. Either way, you can get this amazing Liverpool content in your eyes, in your ears every single week. Sometimes it's happy thoughts, sometimes it's a cathartic, like a, an internet cuddle, if you don't mind me saying so myself. Yeah, let's go with that one. Let's go with internet cuddle. I'm going to keep that one in. I like that one. Yeah, so do check it out, redmenplus.com. And tune in next week for another edition of Red Men Weekly. Take care, everyone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.